Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I appreciate your attendance here and uh, I hope this is everything that you wanted it to be. It's really no secret. It's not like, uh, you know, I have some special wisdom to impart to you. It's just the fact that Jesus said a lot of things on the earth that we have heretofore ignored and done, done the opposite in many cases. Um, but mostly what I keep finding is, is that uh, his words that are spirit and they are life, as he said, uh, they, just, they just tend to touch every facet of life. And uh, for us not to utilize our scriptures and to, to hear the words of Christ and to hear the word of God within ourselves, not read it. It's not he who has eyes, let him read. Okay, now it's time to read. <laughs> Um, we uh, were talking about the need for humility and how uh, humility is a huge part of Christianity and it seems to be one of the most ignored. And, and in all fairness, sometimes uh, egoism is, is a very hideable thing. It's, sometimes it's, just, it's so deep we don't even really even understand it. That is, that's the core, that's the seed from which a lot of our troubles are coming. And um, I think most of all, uh, the most detrimental thing about uh, egoism is, is it's so anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian um, that it has a tendency to obstruct uh, the, the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ was that if we keep the commandments, he would come into us and that uh, he would manifest, he and his father, would manifest themselves to us and teach us and lead us and guide us from the inside. What a beautiful promise that is. And uh, there's a reason why people call the Bible the Word of God, and it's a reason why people uh, memorize Scripture. It's the reason why people go through their Bible and look for Scriptures in order to repeat or to believe or to stand on or whatever else they say. It's the reason why they do that is because they simply have no understanding. They don't have any relationship with God himself. They have a, uh, a good, if you want to call it good, relationship with the Bible. However, to have a relationship with God uh, is a totally different thing because this book is not alive. The Bible says that the Word of God is alive. Uh, it's, it's, this is not alive. And for us to have the life of God within us is to indeed have his Word within us. So as we read the Scriptures... If you'll listen, you'll hear the Word of God being spoken to you. Um, many times, um, in order to get people to recognize that or to hear that, I, I usually tell people when they're first beginning this, this journey of having the Lord teach them, to have one teacher, one rabbi, um, that um, you can uh, near about be assured that as you read the Scriptures, when they start, the words in, in, in that story or whatever you happen to be reading start to manifest thoughts that apply directly to your life 
you're, man, you are very, very close, as Jesus said, very close to the kingdom of God. Um, and when, when a person has the ability to, to bypass, it's not really bypass. I, I, I'm try, I try to be careful about what I say because many people like to repeat what I say and they never get it right. <laughs> but uh, it's not really bypassing the word of God. It's actually like seeing through the page. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the words are written on a piece of clear plastic. If you'll just look, just defocus, defocus on those letters and look through that clear page and see your life for what it really is. Then you're starting to hear the, the voice of God for yourself. Um, but it's such a mistake to, to turn words into the word. The word is, is singular. These are words. They're not valueless by any means, as you know. You get accused of of, of claiming if you don't want to call the word of God uh, or give the word of God its its proper due as a definition, which does not include the Bible. These are scriptures. These are these are writings, and um, if you understand what the word of God is, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't know what the word of God is, you're in a huff. And you're you're getting up from from the television and going and making a cup of coffee or doing something else. Or I think I'll vacuum the floor while this big mouth preacher is on. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, don't get don't don't get upset. I'm really just trying to show you how to make these things uh, apply to your life. And it's you know it's the whole Jesus and Levi's approach. You just putting pants on the scripture. These things are they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. They're not uh, here, they're here for our benefit. Uh, you know, Paul says everything that the Lord left for us is here for our benefit. I mean, even the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah, if you've ever been to Sodom at Israel, and, uh, and see, you know, the ash heaps that are around there and the, and the just piles of ashes and sulfur and where brimstone has fallen. He says, this is all here for our learning. It's all here so we'll understand you. You can't do wrong and get by. And so what, what is that? He was giving you the word of God. See, it wasn't just what you saw. It's not the picture in your mind. It's what God speaks to us on a daily basis. And he's speaking to us saying that can't do wrong and get by. All right. Um, we were talking about uh, uh, God-like reconciliation. And uh, this is all tying into the humility uh, part of Christianity that I am trying to get across to you is it's it's not just really really important this is imperative for a Christian like forgiveness and, and matter of fact this talks about forgiveness uh, forgiveness uh, the impetus of forgiveness is humility uh, it's very seldom that we would um, uh, go to somebody who we thought was less than us and ask them to forgive us uh, it's, it always seems to go the other way. Anyway, I guess what I'm telling you is, is if you'll analyze these things, think about them, think about how you answered that woman when she, when she you know, gave you an answer uh, or answered you like you didn't like or the way you talked to a certain person or the way you talked down to them or the way you judge people or all the little problems in our life, you're going to start finding that humility is at the source of a whole of the lack of humility is at the source of a lot of these problems. God-like reconciliation. 
we are speaking from the, uh, is it the 53rd chapter? Yes, 53rd chapter of our little book called The Words of Jesus. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother, but if uh, he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. Then in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it to the whole church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, that it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's teaching here that reconciliation is extremely important between us and our brethren here on the earth. Um, I know that that might seem like a, you know, a, an academic thought or, you know, just, uh, well, sure, that's the way it needs to be. But um, I don't know that we've ever really tied this in with, with humility. The, a lot of the things that the Lord asks us to do um, that are strenuous for us or difficult for us or we're not comfortable in doing those kind of things, it really doesn't, it, it's not necessarily showing us that we're sinful. We don't need anything to show us that we're sinful. We know that. Um, what, is it, what, is it, what it's trying to do, or what uh, perhaps we should let it do, is, is show us the deeper problem. Uh, and, and in many cases, it is indeed humility. If, if you, uh, he, he goes on to say that if your brother shall trespass against you, um, that you need to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Doesn't the scripture say alone? Yes, alone. Uh, that you need to, you need to go to you and he alone. Now, friend, this is the first thing you do. Uh, I'm talking commandment-wise. This is the first thing that you do. This is not the first thing that we do. <laughs> this is the first thing that you're supposed to do. What this does is it eliminates the gossip aspect of... Uh, trespasses against us. Somehow, uh, it's in the human condition to want to commiserate. And we want to tell other people about what somebody else did wrong, how they've done us wrong, or how uh, things are uh, would be or should be better, or whatever else. We're talking to other people about a problem that we have with another person. These kind of things we need to be very careful of because they don't do much else other than exacerbate the problem. It also brings about uh, an emotive problem within ourselves. We become emotional about it. And as soon as you become emotional about something, facts start being skewed. The story gets a little bit worse than it really was or a little bit better than it really was. We start embellishing. We start... We just, we just mess the whole thing up. Look, let's take Jesus' advice. And if somebody has something against you or your brother has trespassed against you, you need to go to that person alone 
and talk with them about it. Perhaps you can fix this without it becoming um, a, um, uh, a subject for a group of people or indeed the entire church. He says that if he won't hear you, and that is very common because, friend, let's, let's just face the facts. If we could have worked it out, we probably would have worked it out. Um, but sometimes just the little air gap in between the incident and the time of reconciliation, sometimes that little break, the little breather helps. And, uh, and we should try to take advantage of that if we can. If you can't, if the situation was indeed as bad as, uh, well, you, you let on, or he lets on, or they let on, whoever they happen to be, um, then it probably will take uh, some kind of um, outside influence, an objective ear, an, an objective eye, and two or three people, uh, that objectivity gets wider and wider and, and has more and more value. As uh, the preacher says in uh, Solomon, or in, in Proverbs, I believe, he says that in the multitude of counselors, there's strength. And, um, and I think that that, that that is a fact, that if we add some more people to the situation, it will give both of you an objective view of the situation. Um, because somebody's not being objective. Uh, because pure objectivity not only takes into account all the facts of the particular incident, but it takes into account the, the, the facts and the character and uh, the, um, the characteristics of the two people that are involved. And sometimes we can't see our own problems. Well, many times we can't. And sometimes uh, another ear, another pair of eyes, uh, some, somebody else involved in it can fix that. Now, then he says that if you can't make this right, if, if there is some kind of a problem that does not allow you to fix this, between you and him alone, or between you and he and two or three other witnesses, or people to, to help, counselors, that you need to go and tell the matter to the whole church. Now, if you told the matter to the whole church, and the church tells you, you're wrong about this, you, you know, you, you're not looking at this correctly. You hear something you're not considering, and this could happen if we would go to the church, but we don't seem to. We, well, we don't have much respect for our churches. Well, we, we feel like that they're out of touch and that they're, you know, that they're archaic or, you know, it's good for Sunday but not good for Monday. Whatever the reason, we, don't sim we just don't simply go to our church for help in this area, but we should. Our churches should be places that we can go for help. You know, there ought to be, there ought to be established times um, that, a, that a person sh should know you know, if you have a situation, you need, you need counseling in this situation uh, with the whole church or with the, uh, with the overseer of the church or with whoever it happens to be. There ought to be established times that these kind of things happen. Why is this so important? We need to get along with one another. And the thing that will help you get along with everybody else is to never, ever, ever esteem yourself as greater than somebody else For any reason whatsoever. This is going to be difficult for you to accomplish. But without it, I don't have any confidence at all that you're going to be led of the Spirit of God. These are the kind of hindrances that get in people's way. When I talk about 
to keep the commandments. Never disobey your conscience. Take time every day to hear the voice of God. People say, I tried that. It didn't work. I get people that say that. It happens a lot. Um, and um, perhaps it hasn't worked for you. There's a lot of reasons for this. One of them is people try it once. They don't even have any idea what they're talking about uh, or what they're doing or why or anything else. And that's, that's normal. But um, those kind of things can be worked out on your own too. You don't always need somebody to guide you through meditation or through you know, this, this time to, to take before the Lord or, any of the rest, or explain the commandments to you or understand what it's like to never disobey your conscience. You don't always need men to help you do that. Sometimes you can use counsel of other men. But a lot of times the Lord works these things out for us. Now, it's, it, it is just that there, there is a certain humility that is involved in going before the Lord that um, not only is humility missing in our everyday lives with one another and with you know having little problems between us and these kind of things, but we have this problem with him as well. This is why we go to God and pray. This is why we go to God and we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk and we ask him for stuff and we give him his marching orders or whatever it is. This is why we treat him like a page boy. Because, frankly, there's no humility in this. None at all. And, uh, you know, just, just to say something and move on, uh, I know that some people get hung up on things and they can't, they can't mentally move on because they're stuck on the last thing I said. But this usually does catch people. And that is there's a difference in coming boldly and going boldly to the throne of grace. And, um, and go boldly requires no humility at all. As a matter of fact, our preachers, preachers teach us over the pulpit that uh, you know, it's, you know, it's God's obligated to hear you. Just pray and he'll hear you. And uh, there's nothing further from the truth. Um, and the idea that when we go to God, uh, we got two people, you know, that are supposed to be having communion at that particular point, but really it's just one person talking to another. Like, like I have something to tell the Lord that he doesn't know? You know, what, what in the world is that all about? Um, so w there's, a, there's a lot of things that hinder our communication with God and our taking quiet time before the Lord. A lot of things that hinder that. However, I think that one thing that permeates our life that really does start to show up when we do take time with the Lord to hear his voice and to do what he says to do and to, and to essentially take orders from him, it is this lack of humility in our everyday life, this ego problem that we have in our life. We have an opportunity every day, every time you get around somebody, you have, a, you have a, uh, an opportunity to practice uh, this egoless life. Jesus said that the new life that is promised to us, this, uh, this uh, everlasting life that, you know, the eating of the bread of life and never hungering again, drinking of the water of life and having a, a fountain bursting up from within your soul and all the wonderful promises of God. All those things, even though all those things are promised to us, uh, we, we will never experience those because we don't take the average 
daily encounter of our egos getting involved in situations where we have to be the teacher, we have to be the, the, the head honcho, we have to be the one uh, that, you know, nobody has anything to tell us of any value uh, because we've been around the block or whatever else, whatever reasons you have. Um, th this is one of the problems that we have with hearing the voice of God. We don't treat him any differently than we do anybody else in our life. He has nothing to say to us. He's already said it. It's in the Bible. I can read it when I want to. What a, what a horrible attitude that is. But this, this ego thing that, that causes so many troubles in so many different areas, it also is the nut, it's the seed of that discontent that we have with one another in the church. This is so important. The, the, it's not even reconciliation at this point. When you go and tell it to the whole church, if he hear not the church. And what that's saying is, we've gone these three ways. Gone alone. Gone with, gone with close friends. Now we've got it to the whole church. And there's still nothing, have, nothing's been reconciled here. We have a fourth option that we have to take. I don't care what a bleeding heart, liberal, crybaby you happen to be. I don't care how bad you want to fix it between you and so-and-so. I don't care how many tears you shed or any of the rest of the emotional part of this. The fourth step is as big a part as the other three steps. You will, I'm adding to the scriptures here, oh my goodness, but Jesus says if you do these three things, then you will, it's implied, you will count that person as a heathen and as a publican. What does that mean? It was not uncommon uh, for the publicans, these tax collectors that were in Israel, hired by the Roman government, to be absolutely rejected. Matthew suffered through this. Uh, one of the disciples was a tax collector. He suffered through this um, to the point that you probably noticed if, if you read the story that, the, that he invited Jesus to come home with him. And guess who was at the dinner? Jesus and all the other tax collectors in Jerusalem. Why was it, why was it such a, a, a clatch, a clan? Why, why was it just them that were at this dinner? They had no other friends. There wasn't anybody inviting them to any dinners, so they had dinners on their own. This was, a, this was an out-and-out, blatant rejection of a brother. Because you have to understand that publicans were uh, not Romans. They were Israelites that were hired to collect taxes just to keep the peace. So people weren't handing money to a Roman soldier or to a Roman official and just exacerbating the hatred and that kind of thing. So they did it for reasons of peace. But what it did was is it absolutely alienated the, the poor Israelite from the rest of Israel. They rejected him totally. Another thing that was, um, that was repulsive to uh, an Israelite was a heathen, a man who worshipped no God. He cared nothing about the things of God. He was just a... Just a human being out to get whatever he could get. Did, were there Americans back then? No, but pretty close. They was just they were you know for for old looking out for old number one right. 
and uh, just trying to put money in our pocket and send our kids to school and just get it all done. And, you know, bodies dropping one side or the other. You know, that's tough. Shouldn't have gotten away. That kind of a guy. These are, these are heathen. These are people that feel like they'll never have to stand before God and give an account of, the, of themselves. Were there Americans back then? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a prevalent thing in society. Um, the heathen. Matter of fact, there's, there's heathen Christians that haven't even discovered themselves yet. They don't even realize that they're heathen. And they are. Um, but they, these people were so repulsive to the, the Israelite that although you could have dinner with a, with a publican because he was an Israelite, you couldn't have dinner with a, with a heathen. They were the, the Gentile nations. They were the people we weren't, weren't supposed to go into their homes, the Bible taught. We were supposed to stay away from them because they had things to offer us that were going to be detrimental to our relationship with God. And um, so here we have two prime examples of people that are rejected. So Jesus is saying, you did one, you did two, you did three, now you got to do four. What is that? You're going to have to reject this person and count them as a heathen and a publican. Didn't say they were heathen. Didn't say they were a publican. What did it say? You're going to have to treat them as if they are. Why would you do that? Why would Jesus tell us to reject anyone? Why would he tell us to, to engage in that repulsive behavior that would repel someone that, I mean, that's another human being. Like I say, you can be all crybaby about this if you want to. But Jesus is saying there's something more important than you being reconciled to heathens and publicans and people who care not a whit about God. There's something more important than that. What is it? Harmony. It's harmony. People, they, they suffer with harmony and, and uh, they've replaced unity with uniformity. They've done, they've tried every trick in the book to try to everybody get along. We just want to get along. Look, you want to know how to get along? Lose the ego thing. Just lose the ego. When the ego's gone, this is not a problem. This isn't a problem at all. It's no wonder Jesus made such a big deal out of it. That's how to uh, enjoy God-like reconciliation. And then he talks about forgiveness. We've talked about this. Forgiveness is absolutely predicated on humility. But, hum but forgiveness has a little characteristic about it that reconciliation doesn't. The Bible doesn't say that even though you're reconciled to God, if you don't reconcile with your neighbor, that God is not going to count your reconciliation to him. He's good about that because he knows how impossible that is in some situations. But forgiveness, totally different thing. You will forgive every man from the depths of your heart, or you will not receive from our God forgiveness for your sin. Whew, that's a rough way to walk out of the program, but it's time to go. We'll see you next time. Till then, think red ink, my friend. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email 
Don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.